Good morning. Good morning, everyone. It's time to begin a worship service. Sorry, a couple minutes late, but we had some uh, last-minute announcements to go over. Uh, first of all, happy Father's Day to uh, all the fathers here. and Just so thankful that you're here with, uh, with your children or setting the examples that you're setting. And uh, we want to always pray for our fathers that, uh, that they'll always look to God for, for guidance. So happy Father's Day. Also, we'll have our singing this evening, third uh, Sunday singing. We don't want to forget about that. Uh, there's a board out there. You can put your favorite song on. Also, it's good to have uh, Steve and Peggy Rowe with us this morning. They're back up from Florida, starting a busy summer. They stay busy down there, but they come up here to get busy too, so good to see them again. Also, summer fun, parents, don't forget the outing plan for Saturday from 10 to 2. And, and you can check your bulletin for these things. We have a few things to go over here. Uh, let's remember to keep Carol Galloway in our prayers. Uh, Carol was doing a little better, but Carol was, it certainly still needs our prayers, and Pray for that family and pray for Clinton with some uh, upcoming tests that he's about to have. And Charlie Boso's doing well and continue to pray for John Klein. Also, uh, we have uh, the mowing list. We need to uh, sign up the sheet, sign up on the sheet out there for mowing. James could sure use some help on that. Continue to pray for uh, Eileen Stevens and uh, Barb Martin, Cynthia Picklesheimer's uncle, is going to have quadruple bypass. My aunt, uh, Bernice Reed, is having a knee replacement uh, on Tuesday. Ask prayers for her. And uh, also, uh, Kim Stover just uh, requested prayers for uh, Eugene, that uh, he... He has a lot going on with him right now. He's a, he needs a, uh, a heart replacement. He needs a pancreas repla replacement and kidney replacement. So, and they have to get his heart stronger before he can do any of that. So we just, uh, we want to pray for that family and pray for him and uh, pray that things will go well there. And also, uh, uh, Hank told me that uh, Lisa's niece, her name is Lori, she is on the life support, and they don't expect her to make it. So pray for Lisa and Lori as we just have the first name. So keep that family in our prayers also. Okay, let's bow and go to God in prayer before we start service. Father, we do thank you for another beautiful morning you've given us. And Father, we're thankful to uh, be able to gather here and, and worship you in spirit and truth. We pray, Father, as, as uh, we lift you up this morning that uh, it'll be pleasing to you. Father, this morning we are, are mindful of those who are hurting and, and Father, those on our, on our prayer list. And, and Father, we, we pray for... Uh, 
Eugene Stover. Father, we pray that, uh, that you will be with the doctors who are attending him and, and, and that you will be with, the, be with his problems, the health problems that he has. And we pray that his heart uh, can get stronger, Father, so they, they can begin to, to do the uh, necessary medical things that, that needs to be done. And, 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 and we pray for Kim and, and his whole family, Father, that uh, you'll bless and, and comfort them at uh, this hard time. And, and uh, we pray for uh, Hank and Lisa and, and for her niece that, that you will bless that situation, Father, and, and uh, comfort that family in the, in the way that you can. And Father, we're thankful that, uh, that Eileen Stevens is home and Yvonne's home and, and others who are doing better. And we pray that you will be with uh, Bob Martin and be with my Aunt Berna's father and her surgery. And, and uh, we're just so thankful that, uh, that we can talk to you in, in uh, times of need like this. Father, be with Chris this morning as he brings us another lesson. Father, we uh, thankful for him and thankful for David and his family. And, and Father, again, we are, we are thankful for the, for the fathers here today and, and uh, all over the world and those, Father, especially that, that serve you. And, and we pray for examples that can be set by them, good Christian men. Be with us and forgive us when we fall short. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all please stand. We'll sing hymn number 362. 362. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee. <clears throat> joyful, joyful, we Oh, 
Next hymn this morning, number 180. 180, God is love. After this hymn, Brother Mike Williams will lead us in prayer. Come, let us all unite to sing love is love. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning thanking you, Father, for this privilege to to be able to come here and worship you, Lord, and we thank you that you've blessed us with good health that has allowed us to, to make it here, and thank you for the beautiful day that you've given us, and Father, as we've just sung, that we know that you are love, and we pray that we can reflect that love to those around us, and we thank you for your son, Jesus, and for the grace and mercy that that you show us each and every day and 
We thank you for the hope that we do have through Jesus' death on the cross. And Father, as we uh, remember fathers this morning, we are thankful, Father, for the good Christian dads that you have blessed us with that have helped shape us and guide us. And we continue to pray for all the dads, Father, that um, you'll continue to help us to, to stand strong and and share the truth with our families and help raise our kids, Father, in the right way that we can teach them about your love and about your son's sacrifice on the cross, Father, and the, the true hope that we do have through that sacrifice and, and just help strengthen us and put out all the distractions of this world. And, and Father, we thank you for the, our church family here at Rome and we thank you for the... Uh, the ability to worship with each other and to get through this, um, the challenges of this past year with COVID and that things are opening up now. We just thank you for that and for the, the advancements in science that have allowed that to occur, Father, and we just continue to pray for our country and pray that we can put this behind us and, and be able to be back together and, and doing your work, Father. And, Father, we are mindful of those that are struggling this morning, that are having different types of health issues, and we continue to pray for, for Carol, Father, and things that she's going through. Just bless and be with her, be with Clinton, and, and uh, continue to be with Charlie as he recovers from, from his surgery, and, and uh, John Klein, continue to be with him, and Eileen as, as they're home, and bless them, and, and be with Bob Martin, Father, Coming bypass surgery and and be with Bernice Reed, Father, and her upcoming surgery. Bless her and and Father, we just pray for uh, Eugene Stover at this time for the many health issues that he's facing. Just bless him and strengthen him, Father, and just be with their family, with his family, and watch over them and and be with uh, Hank and Lisa uh, with, with her niece Lori and and just bless her, Father and. We are thankful, Father, that we can, can come to you with our request, and, and we know that you know what each of us needs better than, than we can express them, and we thank you for that, and we know that you're with us and, and hear those and hear our request, and, and that gives us comfort, Father, and we thank you for that. And Father, just uh, continue to be with us this day, be with Chris and as he brings us the lesson, and continue to be with his work here with us and with Dave and, and bless them and their families and, and just uh, pray that we can worship you in truth and spirit this morning, Father. We can put the distractions uh, that we all have in our lives, that we can put them aside and just truly focus upon you uh, this day. And, and Father, be with us as we often fall short and, and sin and we you know we are weak, Father, and we just pray that we will learn from our mistakes, that we'll continue to grow and, and study your word and, and to do uh, those things that you would have us to do, Father. And we just thank you for, for your forgiveness of sins. And it's through Jesus I do pray. Amen. This morning's reading uh, comes from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. Genesis 12. One through four. 
Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make, you, make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Next hymn, number 203. 203. Hallelujah. What a Savior. morning. Have you ever had to judge someone else? Have you ever been in a position to where your decision and the way you saw things held the fate of another person, um, whether it be their job, their getting in a job or keeping their job or um, making the cheerleading team or making a baseball team or starting um, you know, a little league game, who bats third, who bats first, um, or very significant uh, decision. If you've ever had to make a decision like that, which I'm sure all of us have at one time or another, um, it's not an easy thing to do, is it? It's not easy when you realize the gravity of what um, stands before you as you weigh the facts. And as we uh, prepare to take the Lord's Supper here today, 
What I would like for us to think about is how grateful we should be that God is our judge uh, when we stand before him. Um, because we would have to wonder how others would judge us um, if it were left up to humans. So as we prepare our minds and our thoughts to uh, partake of the Lord's Supper, remembering Jesus' sacrifice, let's remember that. I would like to uh, have a couple of passages for us to look at. First, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, Paul says, So for me, it is a minor matter that I am judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not acquitted because of this. The one who judges me is the Lord. And then if you would, please turn to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 10. And the wonderful thing that God looks at when he judges us, if we have been made holy, if we have been baptized and put Jesus' blood on us, is that, judge, is that God sees that sacrifice before he sees anything else that we may have done. Verse 10 through 18 of Hebrews 10. By his will, we have been made holy through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands day after day serving and offering the same sacrifices again and again, sacrifices that can never take away sins. But when this priest had offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, he sat down at the right hand of God, where he is now waiting until his enemies are made a footstool for his feet. For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are made holy. And the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after saying, This is the covenant that I will establish with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts, and I will inscribe them on their minds. Then he says, Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no longer. Now where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. So as we bow and thank God for this uh, sacrifice that Jesus made, this offering that forgives us of our sins, may we remember how significant it was and how significant it is that God is our judge and that we may be thankful that Jesus sacrificed for us that we may be here today. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your son for his sacrifice and what you have done for us. We thank you for the blessings you give to us. We thank you for the opportunity to come here today freely to remember this. We pray that we will take, so, take part in this in a way that is pleasing unto you, and it is through Jesus we pray. Amen. Now, as we are about to partake of the fruit of the vine, which represents Jesus' blood, I'd like to continue in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 and forward. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary 
by the blood of Jesus, by the fresh and living way that he inaugurated for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in the assurance that faith brings, because we have had our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. And let us hold unwaveringly to the hope that we confess, for the one who made the promise is trustworthy. And let us take thought of how to spur one another on to love and good works. Let us pray as we give thanks for the fruit of the vine. Dear Lord, again, we thank you for this remembrance. We thank you for this, uh, the sacrifice of Jesus. We thank you for the blood that he shed that washes us clean, Lord, before your judgment. We thank you and we pray that we will take this and according to your will. And it's through Jesus we pray. Amen. As we um, finish the, the Lord's Supper, I was talking to Mike uh, a little before uh, service there. Um, without having to, to gather eight different men to, to pass the trays, it gives a little more time to, to actually visit for those of us who were, I don't know if Buzzy's here or not, we used to try to, to round everybody up before we had the, uh, the pandemic kind of change the way we do things. But if this is the time um, that we would like to recognize our um, offering to Jesus, or I'm sorry, offering to God as, as we uh, go forward through our service. And today being Father's Day, I would like to read the story and the account of Abraham. I don't know if I step on your toes today, preacher, but uh, nevertheless, we'll emphasize the message. If you would like to turn to Genesis chapter 22, I'll read the first 14 verses there. Sometime after these things, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am. Abraham replied, God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah. Offer him up there as a burnt offering on, the, on one of the mountains, which I will indicate to you. Early in the morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took two of his young servants with him, along with his son Isaac. When he had cut the wood for the burnt offering, he started out for the place God had spoken to him about. On the third day, Abraham caught sight of the place in the distance. So he said to his servants, you two stay here with the donkey while the boy and I go up there. We will worship and then return to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and put it on his son Isaac. Then he took the fire and the knife in his hand, and the two of them walked together. Isaac said to his father, Abraham, My father, what, what is it, my son? He replied, Here is the fire and the wood, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham replied. The two of them continued on together. When they came to the place God had told him about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood on it. Next, he tied up his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand, took the knife, and prepared to slaughter his son. But the Lord's angel called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he answered. Do not harm the boy. The angel said, Do not do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, because you did not withhold your son, your only son, from me. Abraham looked up and saw behind him a ram 
caught in the bushes by its horns. So he went over and got the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place the Lord provides. It is said to this day in the mountain of the Lord, I'm sorry, in the mountain of the Lord provision will be made. We're here today, obviously the Lord does not demand of of us a sacrifice such as that. But as we partake, as we give freely back to the Lord, we pray that we remember what he has done for us and all that he will do for us, uh, for him. Let's pray. Dear Lord, again, we thank you for this beautiful day you've given to us. We thank you for this Father's Day where we recognize fathers and we pray that um, you will bless the fathers and here today. We pray that you'll give us all wisdom and courage and, and we pray that you'll help us to do your will. Lord, we pray that you will be with this offering that we are about to offer. We pray that you will bless it and that you will bless those who decide what to do with it, Lord. We pray that you will always continue to bless us, keep us healthy, keep us safe, and watch over us and go with us through the rest of our service. And it's through Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's all please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 761. Where he leads, I'll follow. 761. So at this time, that the young children may go to the children's Bible hour. Sweet are the promises, kind is the word. Giver God and the message man ever heard. Pure was the mind of Christ, sinless I see. He the great example is and pattern for me. Invitation hymn this morning, number 744. 744. What will your answer be? 
This time with the Christian. You know, Jason, I am talking about Abraham this morning. I find it a little disturbing that we both go to Abraham sacrificing Isaac as a role for modeling parents. <laughs> Same parenting style. It's good. Yours made it. Maybe mine will too. All right. If you're turning over to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. Happy Father's Day if no one's already told you. If you're a dad and you're celebrating the day, I want to wish you a happy Father's Day. Our our obligation, our role is not easy in the family, is it? And our culture tells us that we are no longer necessary or that maybe our role is, uh, has been diminished, and that is not the case. It's not the case. Um, in fact, the Bible calls us to a very high responsibility. When I think of a way to encourage dads. Uh, I think of a challenge. And so I want to challenge you this morning. Uh, some of these things that we're talking about from Abraham and Lot's life uh, are, might not be easy to, to grab a hold of. Um, but I think if we'll hang in there and learn from these two men, we're going to learn some things about how to be a good dad. The challenge... It's necessary, isn't it? Because we don't always see, and a lot of us maybe didn't have, good dads. So how do you become a good dad if you've never seen one in action? Scripture has a lot to say about fathers. In fact, maybe the verse that that came immediately to your mind is from Ephesians chapter 6, where it says, Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. Uh, If you're a dad, we've done that, haven't we? We have provoked, we've picked, you know? Uh, and, and that's what the bulletin article is about this morning, um, breaking apart that passage and, and helping us understand maybe from a new light what uh, Paul was trying to get across to us there in, in Galatians, or Ephesians chapter 6. But I want to take you all the way back to the Old Testament this morning. I'm going to take you back to two dads. One's a good dad, one's not a great dad. Uh, he's got some struggles. And so I think we can learn something both positively and negatively from these two men, Abraham and his nephew Lot. You'll find Abraham's story in Genesis chapter 12. We'll get to Genesis 22, uh, where he sacrifices Isaac in just a second. But let's, uh, let's start in Genesis chapter 12. The thing I want you to learn from Abraham is, you follow God, dads, no matter what. You follow God, no matter what. If you just take a second and look down, just if you've got headings in your, in your Bibles like mine does, look down, Genesis 12, 13, 14, 15. You just stop right there. Abraham does some incredibly difficult things, doesn't he? Because God asks him to. He followed God no matter what. When in Genesis 12, uh, the passage that Mike read for us earlier, God tells Abraham at 75 years of age, to pick up and leave his current place uh, where he was living. Abraham doesn't, he doesn't, have, he doesn't have questions. I would have had questions. He doesn't have a single question. He doesn't, he doesn't delay. I would have drugged my feet a little bit, you know. I bet you would have too. Abraham doesn't do any of those things. The response he has immediately is obedience. He followed 
no matter what. And throughout Abraham's life, he does some incredibly difficult things. If you look there in, in Genesis 12, verse 4, you find that Abraham lived to be 175 years old. So at 75 years old, he's about middle age. By the time most of us are middle aged, we've got things figured out, give or take. <laughs> you kind of know what you want to do with your career. You kind of know what you want to do with your family. You kind of know who you are. And, and things are pretty set. And, and there's not a lot of changing that goes on there, is there? Everything changed for Abraham in midlife. Everything. He literally, where he was living, changed. His family situation changed. Occupation changed. Everything, everybody he had ever known changed. It's not easy, right? I mean, put yourself in Abraham's shoes for just a second and see the difficulty that God was asking him to endure. And notice, just for a second, he didn't even question it. He just did it. Abraham did hard things because God asked him to. He followed God no matter what. That's a lesson we got to learn too, right? That's a lesson that is so necessary for us today. We have to follow God no matter what, what, no matter what gets in our way, no matter what is standing in opposition to us, we follow Him no matter what. If you look through the rest of these couple of chapters here, just Genesis 12, 13, and 14, you'll see uh, no, uh, Abraham is a nomad for several years. There's a massive famine that happens in Canaan. He has to leave. He's terrified people will kill him and take Sarah, his wife. So he tells her, to say that she's his sister. She actually is his half-sister. Um, but when uh, he comes into Egypt and again, twice, he tells her to say that you're my sister so that the people don't kill him and take her. They just take her. I mean, can you imagine giving your wife to another man? He's wrong here, right? He is wrong. What he did was wrong. He should have trusted God. But he's doing some very difficult things. He's got some problems with his nephew. Uh, so many, in fact, that he and Lot separate. And Lot goes, he picks the best land. Look at the trust now that Abraham has in God. Because he just says to Lot, you pick where, wherever you want to go. You look out of the land and wherever you want to go, you can go there. Take as much of the land as you want. And Abraham, or Lot kind of looks over at Sodom and Gomorrah, and he said, well, that's a really nicely watered area. Plants would grow really well over there. I'll take that section. Abraham says, I know that God will bless me wherever I go, because he's already made that promise. And so he says, I'm going to go wherever, uh, wherever I go, God will bless me. That happens in, in Genesis 14. Lot and his family are taken into slavery by one of the surrounding nations, and Abraham has to fight off four kings to get them back. He's doing some hard things. Uh, and like I said, that, that's just these, these first couple of chapters as you meet Abraham. But he followed God anyhow. A lot of times we allow things, obstacles in our path to trip us up. Now, we don't follow like we should. We allow things to distract us from following like we ought to. How many of us follow like we ought to? Not even raising my own hand, you know? We don't follow like we ought to because there are some things that distract us. The more that we can minimize those distractions, the better we can follow, right? Abraham is the good example of that. 
You read here in this story, this just these first couple chapters of a man who was not going to allow anything to stand in his way of following God. You want to pick up and leave? Everything I've ever known? Deal. You're going to give my descendants all the land I'm looking at? I believe you. And I'm going to start building an altar right here to commemorate that, to celebrate that promise. He does that on multiple occasions. Has God already come through for his promises? No, he hasn't. Not yet, right? In fact, Abraham's not even going to see God fulfill his promise during his lifetime. It's not even going to happen during his son's lifetime. It's not even going to happen during his son's son's lifetime. It's going to happen during his great-grandchildren's lifetime when they become this massive nation. And finally, the promises that God made to Abraham way back when are finally coming to fruition. But Abraham believed them the moment God said them. He followed God no matter what. He didn't allow anything to get in his way. We need to be a whole lot more like Abraham, dads. You, we have to follow God no matter what. Things not going well at home? Work hard. Fix it. Honor God with your family. You've got a difficult job, child, friends? Hang in there. Follow God no matter what. Let me show you what happens when you only follow halfway. I feel like a lot of us, certainly I have in the past, only followed halfway. Turn to Genesis chapter 11. Just back a couple of verses. Genesis chapter 11. Let me show you what happens when you only follow halfway. Think, think through this with me because I think I'm reading it right. Genesis chapter 11, look in verse 27. He says, Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran fathered Lot. So there you go. You've got Terah. He's the the patriarch of the family. He has three boys, Abram, Lot, and Nahor. Nahor has a son named Lot. Haran, or excuse me, Haran has a son named Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred in Ur of the Chaldeans. So one of Terah's sons, Haran, dies in Ur of the Chaldees. Ur of the Chaldees during Abraham's day is kind of like living in Columbus. Uh, It's a big city. There's not a lot of big cities in Abraham's day, but Ur of the Chaldees is a metropolis. Uh, it's, it's It's the innovative city center. And so that's what he's leaving uh, when God calls him. Listen to what he says here in verse 29. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Micah and uh, Iscah. Now Sarah was barren. She had no child. Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarah, his daughter-in-law, his son, Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldees, to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. You see what happened? Paint the picture in your head for just a second. God comes to Abram's family while they're living in Ur of the Chaldees. Haran's already died. And so Terah has two sons, Nahor and Abram. God apparently speaks to Terah. And he says, it's time to leave. You're going to leave Ur of the Chaldees, and you're going to go into Canaan. And so they move. You know how I know that, they, that God spoke to them? Because he said he did. But Abraham left. They, they left Ur of the Chaldees. Why are they going to leave? Because you know where they go to? They go to a little patch of land where literally nothing is happening. You know how we know nothing is happening? Because he named it after his dead son. This city, this little area didn't have 
a name because no one else is living there. And so Terah settles there, and he names it after the son that he lost, Haran. And that's where he dies. He followed halfway, didn't he? He listened, and he had enough faith to go out from Ur of the Chaldees, which is impressive. It's probably more faith than most of us would have, right? So he leaves Ur of the Chaldees, and he starts walking, and he finally, something happens. I don't know if he gets tired. I don't know if he, they settle here, and he starts thinking about Haran and all the things that he's missing. I mean, you can kind of picture Terah's mindset here, can't you? He's left his son's grave back in Ur of the Chaldees because God told him to. And now he's an older man. He's settled here in this area, this Haran uh, patch of land. Maybe, maybe we're, I don't think I'm reading too much in the scripture here, but it seems like he halfway followed. You know what happened to him? He died not having seen the promises fulfilled because he only followed halfway. That's a pretty big temptation for us, isn't it? It's real easy to start strong, isn't it? As dads, as people, it's really easy to start strong, to start following wholeheartedly, right? But then when hard things happen, when we have to make some tough decisions, we make some compromises, don't we? I think that's what Terah has done here. I think he's made some, maybe what seemed to him, reasonable compromises in the beginning. But you know what it did? It closed him off from God's promises. And Abram, his son, had to take his place. And so God comes back to Abram. He says, hey, you can't just stay here in Haran because Haran's not the place that I called you to. It's not your job. Haran's just to stop along the way. You need to get over to, Ur, uh, to, uh, to Canaan because that's the land that I've promised you. So we can't follow halfway. We can't give in to that temptation to follow halfway. Skip over to Genesis chapter 22. Talk about a hard thing in Abram's life. Can you imagine the day God asked him to sacrifice his son? He's been waiting on this boy for 25 years. Can you fathom the emotional connection Abram has to this boy? If you ever struggled with childbirth to have children, you know that the mental, the emotional connection you have with those children now is maybe stronger than some of us who didn't struggle, right? Add on to that fact that God has set his seal on this boy. He is going to be the one that delivers uh, the way that God delivers all of the promises that he's made to Abraham. It's through Isaac that all that stuff's going to happen. So you've got I mean, just all of this love and, and, and respect and, and all this stuff is called up in Isaac. And then one day God says, hey, I want you to sacrifice him to me. Abraham's mind had to reel at that, just the thought of that. Can you, can you put yourself in in his shoes for just a second, and just think of God asking you to do that. I couldn't even touch the knife, you know? I couldn't, I couldn't even start packing. But listen to what Abraham does when God asks him to do a hard thing. Look in Genesis 22. I want to read it again because I think it's just so, so interesting what he does here. Uh, look in verse 3. God's already told him what he wants. And verse 3 is, is the part I want to hone in, though. He says, so Abram... Abraham rose when? Early in the morning. To do what? To do the hard thing 
that God had told him to do. When you do hard things, do you ever drag your heels? I do. When I'm, when I'm going to do something that I don't want to do, I put it off. Procrastinate. I bet you're a whole lot like me. Abraham is told to do the unthinkable by God. Something that he could not even grasp as a father. Can you imagine the turmoil that had to be going through this man's mind? He got up early and he went to obey. He followed no matter what. God's not asking us to do that. Thankfully, sometimes unthankfully, you know, sometimes you wish, you know, yeah. but <laughs> joke, complete joke. Um, he's not asking us to do that, right? He's asking us to lead our families in ways that honor him, to step out in faith and do the things that it takes to progress our family one step closer to heaven every day, to wake up in the morning early maybe and make your family a little bit more holy today than it was yesterday. Now, where you start is all up to you, right? Because we all start in different spots. Maybe some of you grew up in the church and you had a great dad, and he's, he's, your dad has propelled you all the way over to here. That's awesome, right? Some of us started maybe back over there in the foyer or something because you didn't have a good dad. And so you're trying to figure it out on your own, but every day you wake up and you make your family a little bit more righteous today than they were the day before, because of the effort that you're putting into it. Let me take you to the last dad that we're going to talk about today. As, as we think through what it means to be a good dad, let's look at Lot. Lot is, the Bible paints him as, as a righteous man. In fact, he's uh, said his soul is said to be vexed by what goes on around him in the city that he lives in. If you know a whole lot about his story, or if you've just read through it, just a, a cursory reading through his story, you find an awful lot of things that don't match up, do you? Um, you find a righteous man who's living in the midst of an incredibly sinful people. Now, why he did that, I'm not told. The Bible doesn't tell us that. My best guess is he liked the money, because that's why he picked the land in the first place, Right? He's made a compromise. I'm going to go live with these people that I know are not making decisions that honor God because the crops grow really well there. Now, that seems silly to us. On the offset there, you think, come on, Lot, get it together. You've made this exact same decisions and so have I. We've made the exact same compromises. Lot settles his family in an area where immorality is running rampant. And guess what happens? When God judges those cities, he pulls Lot out of it because Lot's the only righteous guy there. But he brings his family with him. And do you remember his daughters? If you don't remember his daughters, go back and read their story because the immorality that they grew up around has rubbed off on them. That's one of my challenges to us as dads is watch what influences your family. I think you've probably grabbed a hold of this idea as we've walked through this lesson. This isn't just for fathers. This is for mothers. This is for grandfathers, grandmothers. This is for the average Christian. This is for everybody, right? These are things that we all need to do. We all need to follow God no matter what. We all need to watch what influences us. But as dads, it's our responsibility 
to lead our family towards God, not away from Him. It's our, fa- it's our job, dads, to watch what influences our family and to protect them. I've got a dog at my house. Uh, you guys that have driven by my property, he's probably barked at you. <laughs> His name's Jake. He's a, he's a black lab. Uh, he's a good dog. He's older now. But from the moment Kelly got pregnant with Hannah, when she would fall asleep on the couch, <laughs> she's exhausted after a long day, he would come over and he would sit with her. He'd put his head in her lap sometimes. He would just look at her and he would fall asleep. You know what he does now when Hannah falls asleep? Where's that dog at right now? He's right at her heels. He's protecting her. That's the image I want you to grab a hold of for your family. We need to be so close to them. We're protecting them. Watching out for the dangerous things that our, cultures are try- that our culture is trying to sell them. You don't have to go very far even in the grocery store, to find our culture selling stuff that is not biblical. Look on the tabloid headlines, look on the magazines, look on TV, and you'll see our little girls being sold some ideals of what a woman is. That's not what the Bible says a woman ought to be. Our culture tells dads that you're not necessary, and it's made us pull back, I think. God tells you you're not only necessary, but you are the missing component to lead your family towards righteousness. Lot was a righteous man. The Bible tells me that. His soul was burdened by all the things that was going on around him. But he never got his family out of there. He saw saw what was going on, but he never made the move. And you know what happened? It infiltrated his family. And it caused hurt for generations. Those girls' children, his daughter's children that they had by him will grow up and they will become nations that plague Israel for the rest of the Old Testament. You have an opportunity to change not just your children's lives, but generations on down the line. If you follow God, no matter what, especially during... The hard times, especially during the hard decisions. You're able to change not just your children's life, but your grandchildren's life and your great-grandchildren's lives and the people around you, right? If you watch what influences your family and refuse to allow those unbiblical ideals into your family, you can change not just your children's lives, but your grandchildren's lives. We're not just looking at an impact for five years. I'm not just trying to to raise my children until they're 20. I'm currently raising my grandchildren. And so are you and your great-grandchildren. We're impacting generations by the way that we think and act right now. Right? That's what the Bible tells me. Not all this stuff our culture's told us about dads, how all we know to do is yell and fix cars and hunt and all this kind of stuff. Those things are fine, right? Do those things. Let's go do those things. Those things are fun. More importantly, let's lead biblical lives and let's lead our families towards righteousness. That's a high responsibility, isn't it? That's a challenge that's worth taking up. Some challenges aren't worth taking up, are they? 
Some things we should just leave alone. When I was in college, uh, the, the thing to do was always to look at me and say, you, you can't do this. <laughs> You're wrong there. I'll show you I can't. Some of those things were stupid. I shouldn't have done them. <laughs> right? Some challenges aren't worth taking up. This one is. Because it changes everything. It changes our families. And it can change our congregation. And it can change our world. But it's got to start with us. And so this morning, if you haven't been baptized into Christ, that's the first step. That's how you start this change. Maybe you've already made that decision. You just need the prayers of this congregation to be who God wants you to be, to lead yourself and your family in ways of righteousness. If you have any need this morning, why don't you come as we stand and sing. Just a couple of things. Uh, Gary said something about mother. She went with Wayne. Closer she got to going to Florida with the grandsons, the better her feet got. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> her gout got better quickly. <laughs> but anyway, no. <laughs> Wayne's the baby in our family, so anyway. But no, they're, they're there, and they're experiencing some weather. But one other thing. My understanding after uh, contacting Hall's Funeral Home this week, mother's niece, my cousin, Reva Bowen, passed away a week or so ago. And there was, so keep, she has two daughters, Ann and Lori. And if you'd keep those two, 
I'm sorry at this time, I do not know their, their married names, but if you keep their, them in your, in your prayers, we'd appreciate it. I don't think there's any other announcements. If you'd stand for the last song and have a closing prayer. Last hymn, number 746, When He Comes in Glory. 746, we'll sing the first two verses, and Brother Rick Keister will do some prayer. Oh, how sweet will be to meet the Lord when He comes in glory by and Father in heaven, we thank you for this honor and this privilege we have had to come here this day and to worship you. We pray, Father, that everything that we have done here and that we do on regular occasions is in accordance with your word and that we have attempted to gain the most from having been here. Comparatively speaking, Father, we spend very little amount of time in formal worship of you and we pray that at times when we come together that we will make the most of that and we will seek the greatest benefit from the times that we do so we pray father that as we leave here this morning that we will take what we have heard here this morning the words of the songs that we have sung to one another and to you the words from chris words from uh, our lessons our bible study And we will uh, do everything we can to apply those to our lives and live out your word on a day-to-day basis. We pray, Father, that we would be the good examples we need to be, not only for our families, but for those around us as well, those with whom we work and associate and uh, as neighbors. We pray, Father, that as we leave this place, that each of us will do what we can to live our lives so that we can live eternally with you, and your Son, the host of angels, the Holy Spirit, and all those saints who will be saved when this life is over. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.